0: Gavin, I want to start this podcast. Yes, there we go. There we go. Hi, Louie. Hey, Gavin, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? I'm feeling spooky. I'm feeling very spooky. <laughs> I wish I could do, like, a better, like, Dracula, vampiric, Transylvania thing, but it just sounds so stupid, like, uh, ugh. <laughs> and honestly, part of, like, I feel like what I'm going to talk about is, like, all the actors who've tried to do, like... Your, yeah. The night is come, do you want to die? Like, all that shit. Like, you. Everybody that's ever tried to be Bella Lugosi yeah, has never yeah. been. Unless you're Martin Landau, then you win a fucking award for it. I so. don't... I want people to stop doing this accent <laughs> in vampire movies. <laughs> I don't know what... There's a hand motion going on, That it helps me. When I try and sound devious and spooky, I think I just... I sound like kathleen turner so (laughs) i mean that's a plus i like that hello is that your kathleen turner yeah (laughs) just like very very, breathy Mm -hmm. very breathy i'm not bad i'm just drawn that way (laughs) um but yes uh welcome to the mixed reviews everybody hi everyone we're a movie podcast where we take a subject um take two weeks watch as many movies as we can on the subject and then we pick our favorites least favorites and go into the the genre we bite into its neck and Mm. we suck out the mm-hmm. best bits and the worst bits. And we tell you about it. Yeah, them. good and bad. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. guys? <laughs> but uh, before we move into our subject this week, which you probably figured out now being a little cagey, but I think it's pretty obvious, we've got some old business to take care of. Yeah, um, we did a quick turnaround on this because we were so late with Robert Redford, but we really wanted to get this episode out before um, Halloween. Um, last episode, we talked about Robert Redford, um, and so we didn't give you guys a lot of time to vote, but we made you do it anyway. Uh... To pick what your favorite movie was. And, um, Jeremiah Johnson came in at 12%, which was Gavin's pick, my pick. Legal Eagles came in at 15%. Um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid came at 35% and The Candidate 38%. Um, there was some rigged voting for the candidate, but that's fine. It wasn't but rigged. We, no, not rigged. It's like, just like campaigning. Campaigning, exactly. And yeah. so, uh, we put that poll out there every week and we hope that people, you know, retweet it and we just happen to find. Uh, you know, literally up until two hours ago. A candidate stand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thank you out there for actually retweeting. I'm actually quite happy. That yeah. Um, we also got someone saying the sting, obviously. Right. Um, Which, we got a lot of support for Legal Eagles too. By I know. The way. Yeah. I'm glad. I, I, I just felt like, you know, a, a nice mix to show yeah. the broad range that, um, Father Redford has blessed us with... Exactly. He's not a one-trick pony. No, no, no. Though he's very good at that trick. I know. <laughs> God, that, if I had that hair, I could fucking rule. Okay? <laughs> I like that that's the one thing holding you back. That That is, that is. <laughs> honestly, this personality, I just need the hair. Um. So this week, we're here for a very special Halloween episode yes. to talk to you about vampires on film. (laughs) So if you remember last year, we actually did two Halloween episodes, but our big Halloween episode was witches on film, Mm -hmm. which sounds like Way too much for one episode, you'd say. And I would reply, yes. It was. But we did it anyway. We sure <laughs> did it anyways. <laughs> and you know what? We're doing it again. Exactly. Uh, so when we take a mini genre, um, we have a tendency to sort of break it down to the most, to the easiest bits for people and sort of talk about like what works the best and what doesn't work. Um, and I think that's sort of the easiest way to do it. You know, we've, we've done buddy cop films. We did witches on film. We did queer cinema. And vampires on film. Yeah. yeah. And so. I think it's funny because there's so many different, like, genres of vampire movies. Oh, absolutely. And also, we have, um, the other episode we did last Halloween was, um, classic uh, Universal Studios Monsters. Yeah. And. I now, mean, they. Dracula they, is part of that world. I mean, they basically defined the modern vampire for a cinema-going audience. Yeah. And so, starting with that and the classics. And then coming now to this, like, modern day, like, uh, blade stuff, or, yeah. or, or even, like, the romance vampire stuff. Right. Or even, like, the silly fun, like, there's so many different things. Like, I mean, did you watch any Hotel Transylvania movies, Kevin? Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> what if I was like, I watched all three? <laughs> um, I did not. The, uh, yeah. I mean, but that's, that's a good example of, sort of the, you know, the genre spanning that you can do with a a creature like Vampires. Uh, But before we move into, like, what works and what doesn't, why don't we get into our rewind and talk a little bit about the history of Vampires. The earliest version of Cinematic Vampire ever was, uh, or at least one of the most well-known is, uh, Robert G. Vignola's The Vampire from 1913. It's a silent film and it's unfortunately lost. So Louis and I did not watch mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't really about bloodsuckers in so much as we think of them nowadays, but more about, um, Femme fatales and seductive women who are there to like drain wow. you of your life. Right from the beginning, yeah. the women yeah. just come straight exactly. in. Exactly. Okay, cool. Um, you know what's cool about uh, us, the male driven sexist society? Mm-hmm. It's existed forever. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Much Things like so. vampires, it can't kill it. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same. Nothing has changed. Uh, um, and, uh, you know the, a lot of that comes from this. There was a poem by Rud, Rudyard Kipling called "The Vampire," composed in 1897, that is about this sort of thing. Um And you know, there there uh, another good example of of this sort of "quote unquote" vampire was Theda Bara, uh, who was the vamp um, in this film called "A Fool There Was," which came out in 1915, um, and that's sort of like. Pre supernatural vampire, but it was like a lady of the night who is there to drain you of all the things that make S- you. Yeah, so crazy that it started off as like this feminine right thing, and now when we think of vampires or like Dracula, right? I mean, it's all this male driven stuff. And it, and it's interesting too because so the the very next the most important next step is F. W. Murnau's Nosferatu, yeah, which is one of the first screen adaptations of Dracula. But he doesn't use the word Dracula, and that gets him in trouble, because he didn't have the rights to Dracula. You know what? that always gets you, huh? Yeah. Um, so, made in 1922 in Germany, uh, F.W. Murnau cast Max Schreck to play the hideous Count Orlock. but I do want to talk just briefly about Dracula. Dracula is one of the most adapted stories ever for film. Yeah. There are hundreds of Dracula films. They span the globe, um, and the in terms of vampire fiction the only thing that comes close to that is uh, a novel called Carmella uh which actually predates Bram Stoker's Dracula <laughs> um it's by Sheridan Le and it is uh kind of Elizabeth Bathory a little lesbian Ooh. and like, yeah and it's been adapted many times but nowhere near as many times as Dracula We'll come back to that a bit later, but I do think that that's an important touchstone that there is this feminine counterpart also to the Dracula story that um, I, I think has been sort of, um, you know, pushed under the rug because of Dracula. Uh, anyways, back to Nosferatu. Um, but yeah, so he basically does, you know, word for word Dracula, except he adds this sort of like um, love story, a little bit of a love story that uh ends up in other versions of Dracula, surprisingly too, and it becomes this huge hit mostly because of Max Shrek's uh Count Orlock, who is one of the creepiest things committed to film, and yeah. I still think is like really great. He looks like a little creepy I don't know, like his his face with the pointy ears, he doesn't look like what you'd think of vampires or Dracula right now. Max Shrek is this hideous rat like being just, you know, the the embodiment of pestilence is very close to what Stoker had in mind. Uh, his Dracula was not out to charm anybody. He, he you were supposed to recoil, you know, at the, the sight of him. If you look at the text of Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula is not a a sexual, like attractive mm. being, you know, he's short, he's hairy, and it's really not until Dracula becomes a play that uh that is sort of written out of it and it becomes a more sexual seductive. yearning um but anyways back to nosferatu real quick just to get to the end of that so um nosferatu huge hit Bram Stoker's widow is like uh uh nana my watch she literally is like yeah. I don't think so honey. and so she sues and the German courts decide she has grounds all copies of Nosferatu should be destroyed. Wow and we're lucky that didn't happen, right? That's like what they couldn't just like pay her out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, and so uh, Nosferatu survives and becomes sort of one of the most famous silent films that we have to this day. But really, when you get to the modern uh, screen vampire, you have to go back to Universal Studios 1931's Todd Browning's Dracula. And that is when Bell makes his screen debut. He was the stage actor. Um, who was working uh in the play, touring with it. And he didn't know English. He was Hungarian. And so he would learn his lines phonetically, um, you know, word by word. And so they didn't want him. They were like, oh, yeah. well, like, we can do better than this. But eventually it sort of settled for Bela Lugosi. And in all honesty, I can't imagine Todd Browning's Dracula without him. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's where you get this, the stereotype of the, the accent. Oh yeah. And like, I mean, he injected so much... I mean, it's not just him, but the actual show itself injects all the sex that we get in, like, um, like, all the the modern romance and, um, you know, I mean, I, I think the story of Dracula and vampires is inherently sexual. The whole idea of penetrating someone and just being that intimate with someone. Right, and, and draining their essence. Of- yeah. The act of being bitten is like the act of sex, in which you know, there's actually a bite, a thrust, an intrusion. When we played being bitten, we would play a a kind of um, orgasm or paroxysms of pleasure, a kind of giving forth, becoming one. The victim becomes one with the vampire. It's funny, I've I've been doing a lot of research, and my favorite... um, Soundbite that I've sort of found in one of the, the documentaries um, was this psychologist, and she was talking about one of the things that's exciting about vampires. One person who wrote me said the reason that she loves the vampire and thinks that so many women are drawn to him is that women often complain that there's not enough foreplay in, before sex, and that for her, the vampire is all foreplay. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. It's all just like teasing, sniffing, yeah. licking, like uh, yearning. Yeah. And you hear like sensuality to the max. So Literally. And and everything's like either dead quiet or like it's swells of music. Right. And it's super wild because in a lot of the films, when women um get the bite, it's like they're writhing in like this beautiful ecstasy, but also agony. Like it's, almost like they're enjoying it. Yeah. There's definitely an orgasmic quality yeah. to this fluid transfer um, that's occurring. Fluid transfer. Ugh, oh, yeah, God. I know. Nothing more sexy than that. <laughs> Thank you guys. Um. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the quietness because that's one of the things about Todd Browning's Dracula. And a lot of people think Todd Browning's Dracula is very slow for that reason. There's not a lot of music in it. Yeah, um, A lot more people nowadays are slightly more familiar with the the music redub by philip glass which sort of adds music to every second of it um but it's actually a very very quiet film should you escape us dracula we know how to save miss mina's soul if not her life if she dies by day but i shall see that she dies by night come here Your will is strong and healthy. Which is funny because while that was occurring, and I believe we talked about this during our Universal Studios Monsters movies, at night, they were shooting the a Spanish, game, yeah, yeah a Spanish language version, which is better, <laughs> which is better, and it's paced better. And George Melford, who directed that, like, really got the pace out of it. But one of the other things that makes it exciting is the women are wearing a lot less, yeah, and it's more sexual in that way and more um, tantalizing, yeah, in a, in a in an interesting sort of way. In the American film, the women are kind of uh, corseted to the throat, uh, very chastely, but uh, Lupita was given some some very eye-catching costume changes and filmy negligees and and the like my grandson said he knew why my grandpa married me (laughs) my negligee was very revealing (laughs) everything was more sexy my favorite thing about vampires and vampire movies is you truly can like get a whole range of things out of it like there are the movies where it's like, this is like the ultimate dark lord, master, like whatever. And then there's also movies where it's like, these are outcasts and, you know, sad and they have to live in, and hide in the shadows. And and then you can also get the romance if you want it. And truly, there is a vampire movie out there for you. I am not a horror person. And so I was kind of a little selective with what I wanted to watch. Um Because trust me, two weeks of just like blood gushing everywhere. <laughs> not what i wanted in my life my my friend and roommate andrea is deathly afraid of vampires and it's funny because i just showed her the original halloween for the first time and she was explaining to me that she can handle that more because it's like a real person yeah and that sort of unknown is is much scarier what i like about vampire movies also though that there's a quality of like campiness yeah and like drama to it all um i think the the heightened sex of uh, and like there's also all all those action thriller things which can kind of like you know if you're like an action bro and you want that there's that too but i think at, at the essence like all these beautiful lush gothic you know settings and the idea of spending hundreds of years just like roaming the earth there is something inherently romantic about that. Um, and, but also just like the true tragedy of like, ha, what is, is it called the devil's kiss? Yeah. And you, you are burdened to live forever, to always have hunger. And like, ugh, like that drama is so exciting and it, it's just so ripe for, um, interpretation, which I think is why it has, um, survived this as long as it has. So I don't, I don't want to stick with Dracula for too much longer, but I do because it is the most prevalent of the vampire adaptations. Uh I do want to mention, you know, Universal keeps pumping out Dracula films throughout the 40, the 30s and 40s. You get, you know, Dracula's daughter, son of Dracula, and then you get like the House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula movies. But really, it starts to fall out of favor. And what happens in America um post the atomic bomb is we really go into like scientific, like science fiction-y, the sort of... Um, I hate to use it as an example because I know how many people feel about Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> but like, that was why Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is set in the fifties, is a much more science fiction oriented film, is because that's really how taste changed in the 1950s. It became much more nuclear and a much more fear of that. Um, and, uh, so that monster sort of dies out, that like old timey, like, is mm-hmm. he coming to the window? Like, yeah. is he going, um, And it's funny because there is actually a vampire film made in the 50s in 1957 called The Vampire that is about a scientific vampire. It's about a a series of pills that turns a doctor into a blood-sucking monster. And it's a much more Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. I know it has something to do with those pills of Campbell's. I started taking them, Will. by mistake. You mean the regression pills? Yes. And they've done something terrible to me. They've turned me into a Horrible thing. A beast. It made me kill people. What you say just isn't possible. It's interesting to see how they tried to adapt it for that era. However, in the same year in Mexico, there's a film called uh, El Vampiro, which is also the vampire, which really adds that element of sex and the fangs in. Because Universal Studios famously never really showed the fangs really yeah and never did the like bite to the neck yeah yeah and so the this film this 1957 mexican film becomes the first time that you really see the the, you know the the canine fangs i mean count warlock had but they were like on the incisors like these were like the what we know of as and it's a very sexy for its time period film and it's actually kind of interesting i i recommend singing out i think it's for on youtube in, in its entirety, so great, love that. Um, I, I certainly know the 1957 American Vampire is because I watched that on YouTube, <laughs> um and and that like leads the way for Hammer's version of Dracula, which like amps up the sex and amps up the gore in the in the way that like Christopher Lee out of the gate, you know, bloodshot eyes fangs ablazing, blazing yeah. biting ladies on the neck, left and right. I mean, because like, there was a change when people, all of a sudden, it wasn't just, like, a bite, and right. then, like, oh, no. It was, like, fully, like, chunks of right. flesh. And, and, uh, and especially the Hammer movies, it's, as you mentioned, it's very sexual. When Christopher Lee, 1958, is his first Dracula movie. Um, in America, it's called Horror of Dracula. In England, it's just called Dracula. Um, and hammer is the studio and I would love to do hammer someday, but we'll get, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Um, <laughs> hammer was a studio that started off doing science fiction and thrillers and then decided like, Oh, we can just remake the universal studios movies, which yeah. universal studios was like, um, I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, excuse me. Um, and, uh, so there was legal stuff there, but eventually it came around. Um, I love the Hammer movies. I actually might like the Hammer movies even a little bit better than the Universal wow. Studios movies, which is crazy because I, I worship at the altar of Universal Studios and monsters. Um, but Christopher Lee is so sexual and such like, I don't know. And part of it is that like he seems so gentlemanly. Mm. So when you see him in this fierce sort of like biting these like, um, What's the best way to put it? These these women with these heaving breasts. Like, Everybody's in a corset. They're like right. Like, yeah, know? exactly. Like, it is, it is. It feels yeah, it feels like, you know, like, like he's like got them fresh. Yeah. Like that's... These fresh nubile women. This scene, in which Mina awaits Dracula in her boudoir, particularly troubled the censor. Real eight. There is still a strong sex element in this scene. This is due to Mina's anticipating expression in close-up and Dracula's face and expression as it hovers over Mina's before he applies himself to her neck. We are doubtful whether this sex element can be removed. Cut the scene from immediately after Mina gets on the bed to shot of Owl screaming. But Hammer didn't make the cut, claiming that no sexual subtext was intended. Around the time Hammer's starting to happen and it's getting real sexual, then you start getting alternatives to that, and you start getting... Um, what is like one of my favorite subgenres, which is lesbian vampire movies. Love. Right. Uh, starts, you know, uh with Roger Vadim's uh film Blood and Roses in 1960. We mentioned Roger Vadim because he was married to Jane Fonda. Yep. So everything comes back around on this podcast. Um but uh you get Hammer's Karnstan trilogy, and then you get the vampire lovers in nineteen seventies, and you get one of my absolute favorites. Uh, which is Daughters of Darkness. Mm. Well, you sound as if you hate me. I want to be loved. I want everybody to love me. You do love me, Valerie, don't you? Yes? Believe me, Stefan. You'll find it greatly to your advantage to be nice to me. Isn't that right, Valerie? Yes? You can't spend the night with the police trying to explain things they'll never understand anyway. I want to live in that fucking movie. This time period is, you know, the sexual revolution. And so it's reflecting all this. I I mean, because these movies are, again, just like right for the picking of, you know, expressing this like fluidity and like um, (laughs) this fluid exchange. Yeah. And and being close in a... um, you know it and i mean it's carnal at the most pure sense um and also just like the way that the i mean there is also something to be said like the women being exploited and hunted um by men and so like having this like lesbian subgenre group of these movies it kind of gives it ba- the agency back to like ab- uh, absolutely um and like i don't know there's something about and this i mean we're we're too men queer men but still men um talking about women but there's something that's like softer about these lesbian mm-hmm. vampire movies there's mm-hmm. something that's like i don't know threatening still <laughs> horrific still uh-huh. but like something more comforting about them that like i just want to like i mentioned daughters of darkness like i want to hang out with the vampires in that movie <laughs> I wanna, name, chill. yeah exactly like i'm like cool make me a vampire i want to yeah. be with you guys um but also, like, that comes back around to the Carmilla thing, because, as I mentioned, a lot of those films are, are, um, influenced by that. And also, it'd be a shame if we didn't bring it up, even though we brought it up in the Universal Studios episode, uh, Daughter, uh, Dracula's Daughter mm-hmm. uh, also has that heavy le- lesbian subtext, but really it's not until the sixties that it becomes text. Um, yeah. And I, I, I it's just so, such, such a clear metaphor for, like, Women and menstruation. Yeah. And like the, literally women are the lifeblood for humanity. Um, and, and being like a mother to, you know, children. I mean, it's just like so clear and such a, such a good subgenre of the, of the group. And as you mentioned, you know, uh, me- many of the, um, there's many ways that you can take a vampire film. I mentioned a little bit of the, the science fiction area. There's been plenty of other science fiction films that have dealt with vampirism. Um, there's been several adaptations of uh, Richard Matheson's novel, I Am Legend, which include Last Man on Earth from 1964, The Omega Man from 1971, and of course, the I Am Legend, the Will Smith movie, which all deal with yeah. vampire villains. Um, and then you have David Cronenberg's Rabbit from 1976- which is about a woman who, like, gets an experimental surgery and starts to feed off blood to, like, satiate this sort of thing inside of her. I'm so glad I ran into you. Uh, well, I think I better be getting out now. I'm getting all wrinkly. Oh no, not yet. You haven't even told me your name, Judy Glassberg. <laughs> These are more like viral yeah, ex- things. Ex- exactly. And like- and it's interesting to see because you know, I've I've mentioned this before, but like things that we're scared of come from real-world things. You know, back in the right. medieval times, like if a wolf ate your sheep but they were penned in, you know, you you're sort of logicking your way out of that to be like Oh, well, a it man. must have been a super wolf, you know, yeah. or something. So it's a, a, a man, you know, dressed as a wolf or a thief, you know, who, who could turn into a wolf at night. And, and I think we carry that through, like humans are naturally a superstitious being. Yeah. And so like that's why I think zombies are so prevalent. And I think in order for vampires to sort of survive, they sort of have to adapt with the right. time. It can't all be that gothic romance. Right, right. Um, there's also, uh, a, ra- a racial component and I don't know if you got a chance to watch either of the Blackula films I saw um, <laughs> a um Vampire in Brooklyn Vampire in Brooklyn which, which is another good one. and then Blade and what's great about those films in a way for the main characters their vampirism is doesn't stand in for their otherness right almost two centuries ago the ruling elders of my people sent me yes and my bride to Europe on a mission to protest the slave trade the slave trade on that mission i myself was enslaved my wife murdered and i was placed under the curse of the undead our assassin was the vampire count dracula count dracula is a myth he wasn't real oh yes he was real as real as i am now i think um a vampire a vampire in brooklyn was Later in the '80s, it's '90s actually. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. even more to the point than um, you know, that was at the height of like the AIDS crisis, mm-hmm. um, which is a bloodborne you know right. virus, and I can only imagine, like you were saying, reflecting the times and and what um, humans are scared of. This whole idea of like a viral disease that can make you want to drink blood or the whole idea of being infected by uh, this toxic blood is just right up the alleyway of the vampire story. No, it's very true. And I think I definitely think that um, in the 80s, especially like the vampirism took on a new meaning because of this bloodborne illness um, that, you know, it it really sort of changed things up. And, um, I don't know. It's, that's, it's, that's an interesting thing to, I don't think, I know, I don't know if I saw any movies that were like specifically really either, but but I I I expected to like, and I think the closest movie you really get to sort of moving in that direction, but never really outright says it is interview with a vampire, Mm -hmm. which has like a very gay couple at its center and, and sort of like live through all these eras. And then you, when you get to the more modern era, which is in the nineties, you have, um, uh Lestat who is like gaunt and thin and kind of yeah. you know like emaciated and yeah. and clearly sick You've come home to me then You remember how I was the vampire that I was Yes I remember Ah oh. No-one could refuse me, not even you, Louis. I tried. Yes, you tried. And the more you tried, (laughs) the more I wanted you. The implications clearly there. Yeah. I mean, Louie literally lives in San Francisco. Right. (laughs) Like, so the story of your life. Truly. (laughs) Brad Pitt is me. You know, and I never mentioned this during the share episode and I meant to when I was talking about all the roles that she almost got when they were, they were scared that they wouldn't be able to sell the film because at this center was this gay couple. Um, they, the original, idea was to write it for a woman, and they wanted to cast Cher as Louis. That's in fucking saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like, that movie's, like, not that gay. No, it's really not, and that's the other thing. Like, they just eat whoever. Yeah. But anyway. But, But young Antonio Banderas. Honestly. Call me. Hadn't, so (laughs) again, bringing it all back around. I didn't see Interview with the Vampire for the Kirsten Dunst episode, which is our first episode. I finally saw it for this episode. She's so good. She is incredible. Yeah. Like, girl was working from day one, acting her way around Tom Cruise, like, whatever. Um, but also did not know that young Antonio Menderis was in it. And I was like, hello, nurse. Oh yeah. He is my favorite part of that movie, too. Um, but, uh, and, and not to get too much, you know, but the vampire myths are, are everywhere. You know, you, like we mentioned, you move more into the nineties. I feel like nineties took, uh, like a swing back towards the romantic. You totally. get Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. You get interview with a vampire, which definitely has that sort of like history. Yeah. Um, to it. And there's lots of other like weird, um, well that's why you also get a bunch of like in the eighties and nineties where you get a bunch of like the action type things right. happening. So you get The Lost Boys. Yes. Um, oh, how can I forget about the Lost Boys? You get Fright Night, which is a yeah. which is a big makeup movie, you yeah. know. That's... What's the other one? Um uh Near Fear? Is that Oh uh Near Dark. Near Dark, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is so good. It's a lot of these like, kind of like I mean honestly it's like aiming at teen boys who right. think like vampires are cool and like, you and- know, you you know everyone knows the myth fighting me michael i don't want to kill you join us never it's too late my blood is in your veins those movies specifically you know fright night near dark and lost boys Really deal with sub like suburban anxiety, yeah, as yeah. well totally. too. That sort of like rural, like small town that you don't really get. Literally, you know? Lost Boys is about like oh, those biker thugs are like right. in, our, in our in our nice community. No, right. exactly, exactly. Like, exactly. It, it's all about you know uh, this <laughs> scared of the urbane, like you know. Can, can you believe they're not white collar and they, you know? <laughs> It's, like, boring people who are scared of, like, people who have, I don't know, leather pants. Right. It's a very sexy movie. Kiefer and the Lost Boys are certainly, you know, like a hot rock band. Jamie Gertz at 18 is just, you know, spellbinding. Because it's literally around this time where you also, and leading it into the the aughts, where it's like every single vampire, like, was a punk. Yeah. For some reason. This, like, really liked having weird hair and, like, maybe one earring. <laughs> and, like, this hot topic threw up on them. And also only listened to, like, metal music. One of my favorite subgenres, and it doesn't always make for the best film, and this is me calling out the movie Subspecies. <laughs> but, um, is the, the, like, vampire as monster that really comes from, the Nosferatu era and you get like the, the remake of Nosferatu or like the character Barlow in Toby Hooper's adaptation of Salem's lot, mm. um which I watched for the Stephen King episode. And right. Absolutely yeah. fucking love that. That sort of like vampire that can't really fit into society oh, at all. And, and totally. sort of has to stay in the dark. And you get that actually like, in, in the Blade series, which then Guillermo del Toro eventually expanded out into his TV show, The Strain, even though they're technically not connected, they're really the same thing. Um, the, you know, the, the like, and this is also when we saw Chronos, yeah. um, for, uh, the Guillermo del Toro episode. Um, and yeah, I, honestly, I think that's the most interesting genre that I liked was where it's not sexy. I mean, right. I, I, I mean, yeah. I like both versions, but like, at, the tragedy of being a vampire is just so fucking, like, um, I watched, uh, Let Me In, which is a remake yeah. of Let the Right One In. Let the Right One right In. And I fully watched that movie and I was like, this is, for me, it read as like, kind of, you know, excuse the term, but like, white trash of vampires. They're like, The guy's like, I'm fucking tired, and I have to go kill a whole person. And, like, make sure the body disappears. And, like, it's not like I'm luring someone to my castle. It's literally, like, in garbage apartments. And just, like, doing their best to scratch out a life. Because yeah. being a vampire... is not always beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Being a vampire is fucking hard. And it's not, like, sexy and just, like, come here, teen girls. And that's... I guess that's where one of the things that I, I want to talk about real quick with the rules. Vampires have so many fucking rules yeah. because it comes from so many different myths. Yeah. My favorite being... And I've only ever seen one movie really deal with this. Um, is... Uh, vampires are obsessive compulsive. So if they, <laughs> if you were to give them, like, say a jar full of rice, they would have to count every piece of rice. Or if you, uh, cause were, they love rice. Yeah. Or if you were to present them with, like, a, a net made of knots, they would have to untie each knot. And I, <laughs> where only, did you watch this? The only place I've ever seen that used in a movie. And I knew about this beforehand because I was a weird kid. <laughs> um, and, and we're, we're an adult. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, a little bit of both, uh, <laughs> was, uh, Dracula. To the sequel to Dracula 2000. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Dracula 2000, and then the sequel is Dracula 2. Yes, correct. Not 2002. No, no. To the streets. Not 2001. <laughs> a Dracula Odyssey. Um, <laughs> oh, got got to the streets. I did. I would enjoy breakdancing Dracula. I'm, I'm sure was... it's been done. Oh, I'm sure um, it has. The uh, and but like. There, there are so many. You know, sometimes you to kill a vampire, it's silver. Sometimes it's wood. Sometimes it's an iron stake, but it's always to the heart. Yeah, as you, you get to the heart. You can decapitate de- them. You can decapitate them. Sunlight kills them. Yeah. Um. There are, uh, according to certain legends, there's five aromatic. Um, herbs that can get them, including garlic and wild roses. Yeah, garlic and, is, like, the main garlic one. Garlic is the one that most people know. Um Holy water. Holy water. Put on them. Crosses. Um, but cr- and for, sometimes it's crosses if you have faith. Or sometimes if you're Hammers, the Brides of Dracula, which has my favorite cross thing, it's the a windmill in the shape of a cross. Mm, of course, of course. <laughs> the, the classic. The classic. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love... What I love is for what, whatever makes the story work for this writer or director, like they just love having the moment like, Oh no, a cross! Mm -hmm. And then like the vampire just like flicks it away or like tosses it on fire or like every movie will have that moment where it's like the voiceover is like, Oh yeah, that thing about sun, totally fake. (laughs) It makes us uncomfortable, but it's like totally fine. Well, that, and that comes from, uh, that uh, actually comes from Bram Stoker's Dracula, whereas the sun sunlight didn't kill Dracula. He was just weak. Yeah. In the daytime. Or, I, mean, I, I mean, there's so many different things, though. Like, uh, also, the rules, um, vampires don't have reflections. Yeah. You can't be seen on video or film. Um <laughs> Which is funny, because then you run into like the TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which was like, they can show up on film, but they don't have reflections, because it's a metaphysical thing, not a physical thing. Science. Yeah. And, uh, my, one of my favorite moments, speaking of the things that they're averse to, is um, George Hamilton in the movie Love at First Bite, which is a comedic vampire film. God. There's a scene where a man pulls a Star of David on him. Well, Count, what do you say to that? I would say leave Cindy alone and find yourself a nice Jewish girl, Doctor. Hmm? Ah, uh, shit. It's the other one, isn't it? Comedic vampire films also exist. I and mean, Dracula Dead loving it. And There are so many. I mean, e- Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. It was Eddie Murphy playing vampire for whatever, um, which is like, I wouldn't say a good movie, but also I know that the movie's not for me. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up um Once Bitten. The Jim Carrey film. I didn't Always get to see want- that one, but oh, I want really want to. And it's one of his first films and it's him and Lauren Hutton who plays the countess and she has to bite a virgin three times on his inner thigh. Oh. Yeah. So it's like very like weirdly sexual and whatnot. Uh, but that, that uh, it's, it's funny. And my good friend Christy, who we're going to have on the show eventually, she's a critic. She actually wrote a, um, like a a history of the dance number in that movie for sci-fi. Wow, love um, that! And so I would highly recommend reading that. Um, but- I love the like the bite on the inner thigh, when that happens in the movies, it's so hot. Yeah. I'm always like, that is I mean, because it's so clear, like the whole idea. I mean, right. the only other uh, fluid transaction when you're down there is <laughs> sex. Right. Um and so like it's just so strong and uh, uh. Um but anyways, I do want to spend before we move into our uh five star reviews and our one star reviews, uh real quick, I do want to say for all the rules of vampires, um uh, except for the sunlight thing they basically can be killed like a normal person. Like if someone wants to cut your head off or drive something through your heart, yeah. you would you die. Well, for them though, it has to be like a wooden stick in heart, or or silver. If your blade it's silver. A lot of them was like cut off the head, but also after the heads off, burn them right, whatever. I mean, if you're in Twilight, it's you know and- sunshine and you sparkle. Um, and- well, speaking of Twilight, and that's the other thing. Somewhere in the more recent years, within the last like 20, 30 years. Um, vampires have also like, because of, you know, I, I feel like there's been a demystification. They've moved into like teen fiction and you get that sort of in Twilight and I saw, okay. So I have seen the first two Twilights when I was a child and then I, last year, last year. Um, (laughs) but I did watch for this episode, um, the last two Twilight movies. Oh, I'm sorry. And, you know, they're not good movies, but what it really just made me think of was the, the romance. I mean, literally, like, it's so aggressive. The whole idea of like, let's be vampires together. I will love you f- literally forever. We, we are, I've been waiting you for a lifetime and that whole idea. I mean, they're not good. I'm not recommending right. the movies, but like, for what they are for, you know, teens who are just like, goo, goo, gaga over like really hot, you know, cold, high-cheeked, um, characters, like, Sure. I do think like one of the reasons that, um, that vampire films have, uh, are so prevalent for us as a society is the representation of other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the fear of that. And sometimes it's the, the want of that. And I did actually really enjoy when I would find like, you know, a, a place where it stood in for something else, like, you know, a little bit of Blackula. Blackula's not deep. Yeah. But, like, but the element is there of, like, it's his otherness. Or, like, I finally watched Fright Night Part 2, the sequel to the original movie, which for years I'd always been told was a bad movie. Um, it's not. And it's a lot of fun, much like the first movie, but it also contains a lot more queerness than the first Are you talking about the, first the movie? sequel or the remake? The sequel okay, okay. to the original movie, okay. yeah. I did watch the sequel to the remake, that's all. whole other I thing. only saw the remake. Oh, okay. With Colin, which is so hot. <laughs> it, the remake's good. I saw the remake in the theater with my friend Brandon, and I, I liked it. Colin? But I fucking love the original, and I love Colin Farrell, but Chris Harrandon is so sexy in the original. Um, I'm just saying, I let him bite me. <laughs> um, and, uh, the, but in this, in the sequel to the original, it's his sister that goes after him, but she's like, I mean, she's very sexy and very like interesting, and like they play a lot with her, like looking ugly and then looking really beautiful. But she also pals around with this vampire who uh, is on roller skates Ugh. and is gender non-conforming. Love. It's played by a male actor, but they don't ever. um Their name is Bell. They don't have any lines. That's the only negative thing. But they're very feminine in clothing and very and hands down my favorite character in the entire series and like just a lot of like slightly gay stuff and i don't know and so like there's that otherness there and especially like as i mentioned with with women like it really moves into the to the lesbian area and so i don't know i really like some of the vampirism and i don't know how you feel about it but like when it deals with the sort of outcasty yeah because even lost boys And Lost Boys is also a pretty queer movie. Um, Yeah. But, but like, you know, it's dealing with the, like, they're, you know, they're the thing that people are afraid of. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily because they're vampires. I think it's time to move into our reviews. Louis, let's move into our five-star reviews. Little did I know that my five-star review would come from... Still a pretty silly movie, but also one of, you know, a very, um, maybe a little bit more horror-esque type one. Um, my pick is 1992's Bam Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Um, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Um, that movie is fucking batshit insane. (laughs) Um, and the story, it's, 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 it's an epic. Yeah. It's a true epic. Um, It is two and a half hours and you would not, you genuinely wouldn't feel. No, because literally Francis, Mr. Coppola himself, like literally threw all the money in the world at this movie and it is lush. It is high drag. It, it, like, it it won four Academy Awards for, um, design and sound and all that stuff. Yeah. If, if you're going to talk about, um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the, The person you really need to talk about, besides, obviously, um, Francis Ford Coppola, because, you know, he is the- The architect of the movie. The architect of everything. Um, Didn't his son do a bunch of the, like, like the the, Francis wanted all the effects to be, like, real? Yes. He, like, fired their entire special effects team, because they were like, no, we have to use computers. And he's like, I don't think so, honey. And he hired, um, I want to say it was his son. I can I can't be sure because I don't have that in front of me right now, but, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, replacing them with Roman Coppola, yeah. who's now a filmmaker in his own right. So, yeah. So he essentially was like, I don't want, he wanted everything to look and feel as real as possible. And, and he truly just like, it's a huge swing, like the audacity of this movie to have like Keanu Reeves, right? <laughs> um, Gary Oldman giving you, full Gary Aldman commitment to the role as we are come to expect. Um, I, I, the person I was looking for, by the way, is Aiko Ashoka, who did the costume design. Oh, yeah. And, and that movie is like all about those amazing costumes from the, from the Vlad the Impaler armor. And mm-hmm. it really, like, he was the first person to really bring in the historical Vlad the Impaler yeah. and add it to the novel, as well as like amping up the love storyline, which is like slightly curbed from Nosferatu. Yeah. I mean, the movie is, I mean, so just so you guys know, um, it, th- is based on, or not based, uh, the plot is Vlad Dracula in 1462 is, um, at war and he comes back to his Elisabetta, who is played by, um, uh, Ryder, uh, but she has killed herself because those damn Turks, they <laughs> told her he had died in war and so he's pissed as fuck and, um, the, like, bishops or priests or whatever, they're like, well, she's not going to heaven because she committed suicide and Dracula is like pissed as fuck. He, um, decides to stab like a, or he essentially is like, he renounces his faith. He says, fuck God. Um, he stabs a stone cross with a sword and drinks the blood that comes out of it. And he essentially becomes, um, a vampire. And hundreds of years later, he's still kicking, looking like a fucking monster. And again, this is like a, a truly revolutionary um, design for Dracula. He wears like this red silk robe has long nails. He looks like a crazy person, <laughs> big white hair. Um, anyway, uh, he starts buying up a lot of, uh, real estate in London. Um, Keanu Reeves, God bless him. <laughs> um, who essentially is cast because they wanted like a popular young, hot person. Um, I mean, there's an amazing uh, YouTube loop of him saying Budapest. Yeah. He, over and over again. He does not know how to um, have an accent. No. Other than, no. like, the California I used to I mean, I used to be like, my name is Jonathan Harker. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it is famously known as one of the worst um, yeah. accents of all time. Um, I still love him in the movie, though, I gotta admit. Um, I can't think of that movie with anybody else. An Ancestor. I see a resemblance. The Order of the Dracul, the dragon, an ancient society, pledging my forefathers to defend the church against all enemies of Christ, the relationship was not entirely successfully oh yes <laughs> <laughs> it is Dracula goes to London turns out Harker's like fiance is Elisabetta looks exactly like her. it's Winona Ryder. Um meanwhile she has a friend Lucy <laughs> Who's a little bit of a slat yeah. and she is trying to pick out a husband, but it, I mean, the, the movies are so lush. There's like insane sets. And, you know, uh, when uh, Keanu Reeves is uh, driving, not driving, but in the carriage going to Transylvania, the lighting is aggressively red. You see Gary Oldman's eyes in the, like it's an erotic fever dream of, well, that, and my favorite thing about the movie besides the costumes is one of the concepts that he really wanted to put into it was that when Dracula was involved, there was a lack of physics. Yeah. And I have said many times on many different podcasts over the years that one of the scariest things to me in a movie is lack of physics when things stop making logical sense. Yeah. And, uh, that I love, I love the way like people wandering across the ceiling, like water flowing upwards, the, like, like the amount of. Um, shadow. Yeah, scare. Like literally, they're having a huge conversation, and in the background, you see a shadow creature lurking. And like, give. I mean, one moment where the he's like a huge bat creature, and then all these rats crawl up on him. Yeah, and then they just turns into them. And then all the rats escaping. It's fucking bananas. Yeah, it's it a fever dream is a perfect way to describe it. It's lush. It's dark. It's beautiful. It's bloody but yeah. sexual yeah, yeah. It, it's and like, super I know sexual we have to, i know we have to deal with the fact that gary oldman's a shit person now yeah but like he's the villain in the movie yeah. so you know what it's <laughs> it's, like, it, he's I, I, it, what i've heard about the making of this movie is also that francis ford coppola was like yelling at the actors yeah. as they were like acting um that gary oldman was told to like Tell like really disgusting, naughty things to the Lucy actress. Yeah. Bec- when they were having their like love making things. Um, it. Oh my God. The scene where she's outside and he's like a big wolf yeah. beast creature. Yeah. Like, and, and again, it's, n- and in this movie, he has control over, um, animals. Right. He can turn into a gas. And, and a lot of it's, a lot of that does come from the not, like the ability to turn into fog. Yeah. yeah the ability to become rats. Like th- those are, elements that are either, um, directly from the novel or implied from the novel too. So like he really did his research in sort of putting it together. It's funny because obviously Francis Ford Coppola's masterpiece, uh, you know, you have, uh, Apocalypse Now and you have the Godfather and whatnot, but I really think this deserves to be spoken in the same breath as those. Yeah. It's just like, I, and again, th- the movie has some gore, but it's not um, played, I think, I think it wasn't played for scares. It's play, I mean, it's, it's creepiness factor. There are moments where I was like, Oh, that's fucking scary, but it's not like a jump scare. It's not, you know, everything's just like this, the vision uh, right. and the way that they shot it, you know, with all the shadows and the lighting. And you just don't see movies like this at all. It's kind of like this is a master filmmaker and he is going balls to the wall, like losing his mind on a very, um, Oh, like overdone, you know, uh, genre, like, you right. know, how, how could you redo Dracula story? And, and literally it's not like your modern take or this new vampire. This is Dracula. Right. Um, and it's, it, and it just feels so fresh even today watching it now, it feels so, so fresh. The, so I actually, I'm 100% shocked cause that was also my pick, but I have so many others that I can, that I can name a bunch more. But I'm I'm glad. Like honestly, I I genuinely think 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula is heads over tails like th- one of the best vampire movies ever made. Um, I do. You know, I mentioned, uh, Daughters of Darkness. Um, I mentioned, uh. Fright Night, the original Fright Night, which I loved. And really, once again, Chris Sarandon, not given enough credit for being. <laughs> My friend Karen Kummerly wrote for Decider an article about how, like, sorry, he's the sexiest vampire of the 80s. <laughs> sorry. And, uh, and she's right. Um, the, I mentioned Lost Boys. I think Lost Boys is great. It's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, there's, there's a couple other I want to mention, but I guess if I had to pick one that was not Bram Stoker's regular, which once again, I really do want to pick one of my favorites is actually a more recent movie, a comedy that came out in 2014 called what we do in the shadows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Ta- yep. Taika Waititi's what we do in the shadows, which is done as in a mockumentary style in which him and t- in New Zealand, <laughs> in New Zealand, which makes it even better. Um, uh, like, him and a couple other vampires li- have basically been living together, um, as sh- terrible roommates. Yeah. And, and like, without giving too much away, because I don't want to, because it is such an original story, it's basically just sort of about vampire society mm-hmm. in a modern day context. Yeah. As a documentary is being filmed around them. And like how <laughs> I don't I don't really know how to say like how the rules have sort of changed and how they haven't really changed. Yeah. I mean There's, also it's like struggling to I mean, imagine being a you know, three thousand year old vampire and being like, What what's Wi Fi? Right. Like or, you know, having to deal with the whole idea like you cannot go into someone's house unless you're invited in. Right. And they're like trying to just like go to a bar. Yeah. Exactly. And they you know, you have Um, Taika who's playing a a foppish sort of character. And then you have Jermaine Clement playing, essentially, Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, but he's Uh, he's called the Poker. Yes, exactly. And, um, there's a Nosferatu-esque vampire that lives in their basement. And his name's, like, Peter. Yeah, exactly. And they've also recently turned, uh, like, idiot into a vampire accidentally. And, um... He's a bro that just goes around town being like yeah exactly and they're supposed to be living the reason why it's called what we do the shadows is they're supposed to be living in secret this is also a universe where there's werewolves they run into reese darby who leads a pack of werewolves mm-hmm. who delivers the line that everybody quotes in it which is <laughs> hey, hey hey don't swear sorry they, they, yeah, oh, we're they're werewolves not sweet what are we werewolves. We're we're not we're sweet wolves. Wolves. Right. the movie is so sweet so funny um and it takes all the like silly, stupid things about being a vampire and just plays it for a deadpan. I laughs. mean, my favorite and, and one of the brilliant things is everything's important. You almost you almost have to like meticulously pay attention to everything that's said in the film. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite bits is Jermaine Clement's character Vladislav talks about how he's never gotten. um the shape-shifting ability quite right, (laughs) that he always ends up with... With the wrong face. face. (laughs) And there's a scene where you see him as a cat... With his face. With his face. And it kills... It is one of the funniest things in it the is world. so dumb. It's amazing. But that's what, one of the things I like about the, the vampirism thing is that it can come back around and be in this really sort of funny context. You know, the issues of living forever and having to deal with right, like. Because they're real people. Right. Exactly. I mean, or at least they were once. <laughs> they were once. Exactly. It's a, you know, they, they have arguments about doing the dishes. I do my flat chores. No, you don't. No, you yes, don't. That's do. why we're having the flat meeting. The point is, Deacon, that you have not done the dishes for five years. Vladislav is right. It's unacceptable to have so many bloody dishes all over this bench like this. I'm so embarrassed when people come over here. What does it matter? You bring them over, you kill them. Mm. Vampires don't do dishes. So what we do in the shadows, if you have not seen it, and I think a a lot of people have, but it was also an independent film. Yep. So I I highly recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Were there any other uh, vampire movies that you saw that you... um, So I... I got around seeing like 22-ish of the movies, so I did not see a lot of the older things. But of what I did, and again, I saw a lot of dumb things. Um, of the dumb things that I saw, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter is so dumb, but so fun. I, I refuse to watch it, but okay. it is. I take your word for it. First of all, they got a really hot Abraham Lincoln, and I'm here for that. Um, and it's the action, like they, they obviously know that the conceit is so ridiculous, um, that they really go for it. Let Me In, I thought was really good. Not dumb, but Uh, good. I would, if, if you have not seen it and I know now you've now seen Let Me In, but Let the Right One In is like, and I don't even hate Let Me In. I think Mm -hmm. Let Me In's fine. Mm -hmm. Let the Right One In is so beautiful and so poetic but has everything that you were talking about right. like does feel a little white trashy whatnot but like the i would recommend checking it out it's really good one of my favorite things was sort of going through and and trying to find because i've seen a lot of vampire films um international vampire films that i had not seen or missed just to, to see what sort of other myths and whatnot there are and uh two of the ones that i ended up really liking um was uh from the 70s, this one called Lake of Dracula. It's the middle film of what's called the Bloodthirsty Trilogy, the release by Toho. Toho did the Godzilla films and everything. And it's very Hammer, which is really strange to see something very culturally Japanese, mm-hmm. but also be this sort of gothic, like Dracula-y yeah. sort of. And I, I don't know. I thought it was really neat and a really interesting combination. And then one of the other things I saw... Was this movie called Vampire Cleanup Department? Ooh. And uh, Vampire Cleanup Department is this uh, film from Hong Kong that came out last year and just never crossed over here, really. And it's about um, these, uh, a group of um, people that are sort of like a government agency or like an underground government agency that go around Hong Kong and like stop vampires when vampire attacks happen. So most people don't know. And it's very funny, I will say the sexual politics of it are not very good because the vampires are almost like zombies, and the main character like she f- falls in love with a female vampire, and it feels very like coercive in a way because she's not really a per- she's like learning to become a person again, but hmm. it but up until that point you're like Ugh, yeah like, yeah weird. yeah yeah, but one uh, but it was actually pretty funny, and one of the things i I will give it to in terms of context of. This department was very concerned about not just killing the vampires right away, but like cremating them because it was a very Taoist concept for the film. So what they believed if you cremated them instead of just murdering them on the spot they would have a better chance of being reincarnated. Oh, and I wow. like that concept that there's, there's just these evil creatures out uh-huh. there that they're still really concerned about saving their soul. That's very sweet. Yeah, exactly. I and, I, and I thought that was a neat, a neat touch. And then one last thing I did want to mention that I, I this totally slipped my mind. But it's one of my absolute favorite vampire movies, which may not be a vampire movie, which is what I kind of love about it. It's very psychological. Is there's a 1971 horror movie called Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Hmm. And I love it. And it's essentially uh, a movie about this, these two guys and this woman. They go out to the countryside. She's recently had a nervous breakdown. And they they move into this house and this woman shows up at their house and you don't know, is this woman a vampire? Is she slowly turning everybody else into a vampire? Is Jessica having another nervous breakdown? And you never really figure it out. (laughs) And it's very spooky. There's a lot of good stuff out there. But let's talk about the bad stuff. There's a lot of bad stuff out there too, (laughs) Kevin. Holy shit. So it's now time for our one-star reviews. I saw a lot of the um, young adult movies that um, were available. Um, I saw something called Vampire Academy, which is awful. I saw that in the theaters, Louis! Awful. Yeah, could not believe it. But we went... My friend Karen, who I mentioned before, Karen Kamerley and I, we went because we knew it was going to be bad. So. And the thing is, I remember seeing the like trailer for it and they were like, one of the writers from Mean Girls is, you know, it's the writer of Heather's and the director of Mean Girls. That's what it is. And, (laughs) and they're brothers in real life. So that's the. They tried really hard to like have a like sassy attitude, but I was like, I, no, bye. I also saw something called Vamps. Which is the, um, Alicia Silverstone, um, and Jessica Jones, Christian Ritter, and also the writer-director from Clueless. Yeah, Amy um, Heckerling, which really bums, Vamps bums me out. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's less of a movie and more like a series of bits. Yeah. Um, no boy, no. Um, but what I'm going to choose is, um, you mentioned it earlier, um, is, um, Love at First Bite. I thought that movie was, so severely dumb. Oh, it's bad. It's really that. bad. And I mentioned it earlier only because I like that one joke. So I don't want you to think no, I was endorsing it. And like, I like things that are dumb, but fun. This is just dumb and zero fun. <laughs> um It, it truly blew my mind. And honestly, online, it says like 96% of audiences love this movie. And it made a shit ton of money when it came out. It came out in 1979. It's directed by Stan Dragoty. Um, and it stars George Hamilton as Dracula. And in this, um, it's a spoof, I guess. Um, he is like expelled from Romania because whatever. Um, they're like, Don't, because gentrification has come to Don't Romania. Don't you get the joke? George Hamilton's so tan. He's Dracula though. Oh, hate it so much. <laughs> and he's not even fun in it either. He's yeah. like the most boring he's Dracula. He's really stiff. Yeah, yeah, and I I want you're either going to have to be like a sexiest fuck Dracula or like a high camp drama and he's just kind of like, "Hey, I'm Dracula." And it, it's it also feels like a lot of like inside baseball, like all these jokes were written by like a group of really neurotic New Yorkers for like a New York highbrow society like audience only. Um his Renfield is the most obnoxious Renfield of <laughs> he has, like, um, and please find the clip, Gavin, of him going, <laughs> 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 like, Renfield! Renfield! Yes, Master. I was getting the magazines, Master. How many times do I have to tell you body temperature? Yes, Master. Master, lots of ladies in the all together for you to drool over. <laughs> I was like, is that the joke? His laugh, his not funny laugh. He goes to New York uh, because he's like, that's where I'll move because whatever. Um, he's obsessed with a like fashion model. Um, and he wants to, you know, be with her and turn her. And there is a, um, she's sleeping with her own psychiatrist who is a descendant of Van Helsing as they are wont to do. Um, and he, realizes that he's a vampire hijinks ensue the woman is fully like into dracula though it's very fucking weird um yeah the jokes aren't just worth it they're just not worth it it's boring 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 and um yeah i can't believe it made so much fucking money it it earned 44 million dollars against a three million dollar budget and it was on one of the top grossing films of 1979 And was one of the highest-grossing independent films for many years. Can you fucking believe? Yeah, yeah. No, people are dumb. It's bad, guys. I and I saw, you know, dumb things. Yeah, there. And that's I. My problem. I. There's a lot of really bad vampire movies. I think. I. You know. I. I. But I think even the worst vampire film can be sort of redeemed by having something to say. And I think love at first Bite's a great choice because it really isn't a film that has much to say. No, and the, the, the joke is like George Hamilton, but I'll get like, I don't like the twilight movies. I've, I've seen, I saw the first one with my niece years ago. And then I saw the next two as riff tracks and I've never seen the, the final great. one. That sounds great. But yeah. Um, and, uh, so I don't want to kick them when they're down because I do think that like, as much as people shit on them, they at least have something to, they're romance movies. You know, they've yeah. got something interesting. So I think my least favorite, my one star review would have to be, um, 2003's Underworld. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, Len Wiseman directed, and I, I'm only choosing 2003's Underworld because I never saw any of the there's three a, sequels a lot or of them. one prequel because I Hated the first movie so much that I couldn't imagine sitting through yeah. the other ones. Um, Underworld is, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I found this, like, not great vampire documentary, but I'm gonna steal this audio clip from it. Um, it's it supposedly came to Len Wiseman, um, even though it was written by, uh, Danny McBride, not that Danny McBride. Um, <laughs> they, uh, came to Len Wiseman when he was like, you know, we people haven't really done Vampires and werewolves together. And what's great in this documentary is there's a clip, a juxtaposition clip of Leonard Malton talking Mm -hmm. about, like, why uh, Underworld is like a dumb idea because Universal tried it back in the day when they were combining all of their monsters. (laughs) They're like, sorry, Jan. (laughs) Yeah. The idea of bringing the two species together, I hadn't seen, or at least for a very long time. We said, what about, you know, just pitting vampires against werewolves, make this whole underground ancient war? And we thought, well, shit, we can't do that. Surely that's been done before. And then went back and researched it, and and it really hadn't been done for a very long time. In the 40s, Universal milked, or maybe I should say bled, the idea dry of not only reviving all their monsters, but teaming them up. So they made films like... Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and House of Dracula, and House of Frankenstein, which had everybody in it. Uh, underworld sounds like something that someone might have dreamed up at Universal in the 40s when they were pairing up monsters then. Just to give you a very brief synopsis, um... It's set in a world in which vampires and werewolves are against each other. Werewolves are referred to as lichens. lichens. Um, and the main character is, uh, Kate Beckinsale character. Her name is Celine. Mm. And she, uh, is, and she's sexy. Yeah. She's a death dealer mm. who they kill, uh, uh you know, she's like really good at killing werewolves or lichens. And, um, she, finds herself attracted to this human played by Scott Speedman of Felicity fame, um, named Michael more, uh, Michael Corvin, Um, and he's targeted by the lightkins. Um, and you know, he gets bitten by them. And then she's like, do I go against my people or do I save them? And it's very like, like, um, Cliff's notes, um, Romeo and Juliet situation. Um, and spoiler alert, turns out he's like the vampire, uh, werewolf hybrid, who's yeah. gonna bring them all together. Um, it's an incredibly dumb movie. It really tries to ride off the success of something like Blade with all the yeah. like sexy yeah. tight leather. Yep. Um, but in a way, like really whitewash it in that sort and of. And also like, I mean, the, the, the big guns and the right, swords and right. like action. Yeah. And it's all, it's all an And it's action all thing. blue. Like it's the movie, the, all, all everything blue. blue. Yeah. It's all tinted blue. And like, I don't think Len Wiseman's a brilliant director by any means either and so like it's just very flashy and everything but I remember the first time I saw it the moment the movie really lost me I wasn't enjoying it there's a car crash scene in it and she gets cut and she passes out Celine, a vampire due to blood loss Mm -hmm. of course yeah you've lost a lot of blood if you don't stop the car you're gonna get us both killed I'm not screwing around. Neither am I. Now shut up and hold on. I'll be fine. Shit. Vampires drink blood. <laughs> they don't have they it. They don't have it. They don't have it. And I get that everybody makes their own fucking rules, but I can't live in a world where vampires can pass out due to blood loss. <laughs> it's hard, Yavin. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for a, yeah. for Celine. It's. I mean. The funny thing is, Michael Sheen is in it is in the first one, and he's also in. Michael Sheen is a go to because he's yeah, also in Twilight, Twilight as and, like the bad guy um, Arrow, and then Bill he's the other big uh, oh, yeah big name. Li- Bill Nighy. He's like the like Celine. Right. No, you can't. Our family of vampire! Like, and he's like doing his best to choose some fucking scenery because. And I like Kate Beckinsale, so I don't want to shit on her too much because you know she's like she's like Wilt Stillman Stan, and you know like I'm for her when she's good she plays these movies like super steely super british and it's boring to watch because like i said the movie's going for this like hyper like sexualized like leather fetishy sort of Mm -hmm. reality and then you have like she's just a wet noodle like she looks great but she's just like I'm here. They almost, like, gave, they traded in, like, the look for, like, any substance. Right. The movie has nothing to say. It really doesn't. And it's it's really, it's it's a frustrating watch. On top of that, it's two hours. So, like, and then... It's two hours and three extra movies. Yeah, exactly. In a movie like that, you just... So, yeah, I despise the Underworld movies and, um... But, you know, they made a ton of fucking money, and they just keep bumping out sequels. For all the original ideas that is Underworld, (laughs) this is one of my favorite things. The film was subject of a copyright infringement lawsuit followed by White Wolf Incorporated and Nancy A. Collins, claiming the setting was too similar to Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf the Apocalypse games, both set in the World of Darkness setting, and to the Sonya Blue vampire novels. White Wolf filed 17 counts of copyright infringement oh, and claimed over 80 points of unique similarity between White Wolf's gaming systems and the film. White Wolf Inc. also said the script was very similar to a story entitled The Love of Monsters, which came out in 1994, which they published, written by Nancy A. Collins. In September 2003, a judge granted White Wolf an, ex- an expedited hearing. The lawsuit ended in a confidential settlement. So they so, paid them. So, yeah. So Len Wiseman for all his original fonts. Yeah, Len Wiseman was like, give Nancy a check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, idiot. So, uh, so what I'm hearing you say, Gavin, is don't see Underworld. Instead go see the Twilight franchise. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, in all hon- in all honesty, yes. yes. At least they sparkle in <laughs> yeah, Twilight. Exactly. <laughs> uh were there any other one stars that you saw that you just absolutely hated? <laughs> we didn't talk uh- Anything about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I know you like a lot, I do. Um, I like both the show and the movie. But the, the, I, I watched the movie and I was like, "Wow, this is like really leaning into the." You you really have to understand, and this is not. I do not want to go on a Joss Whedon defense rant because I know all the shit that's happened with him. But like, the script was taken away from him. I don't. And think... A lot of it was rewritten in a. Yeah, I don't think it's a one star movie, and I think it's like really funny, like. In an unintentional way um, Also just seeing future Academy Award winner um, Hilary Swank. Hillary Swank She delivers one of my favorite lines in the movies Don't worry, they can't come in unless they're invited I already invited them They're seniors <laughs> She gets a lot of like gem of lines though. I thought you said this was so out of date <laughs> It's vintage <laughs> If you go to Amazon Prime and just type in vampire, the list of vampire movies that I'm sure are garbage, I was like, there's no way I'm going to fucking watch all this stupid, stupid shit. Like, did you know that there are two sequels to, um, uh, from *Dust Till Dawn? Yes, there are. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. oh, that's like John Carpenter's Vampires, which like, I would, I know a lot of people love John Carpenter's Vampires. And if you can get past James Woods being at his most James Woods. I will say, I think there's some interesting ideas in John Carpenter's Vampires. I also think that movie's boring as fuck. (laughs) But, and I think I cut it out of the episode, I watched the sequel for our Diego Luna episode. Oh, And let me tell you, doesn't get better. Okay, okay. (laughs) Good to know, good to know. But that has direct-to-video sequels, too. (laughs) The one other I wanted to mention was, just because it was so weird and sort of out of character, from 1939, there's this movie called The Return of Dr. X, and it (laughs) stars... Humphrey Bogart as like a mad scientist who's been brought back to life in Craig's blood. Of course. And he hated making the movie. (laughs) Um, he said that the only, the only people he would have liked to have bit were the executives that made him star in that movie. Um, and it's not good, but it's interesting because it's the only sort of character performance you really get. I feel like out of the entirety of Humphrey Bogart's um uh, filmography. You know, it's he's not playing a gangster and he's not playing a romantic lead. He's this creepy he's he's playing Boris Karloff. And it's funny because Boris Karloff was apparently originally cast in the role and then had to back out. Huh. And I think that's interesting, but it's real bad. And it's even at like just an hour. Yeah. Because I mean, and that's how you know it's a real B movie. It's an hour long. And they're like it's not worth it. And that. they're like enough. John Landis made a vampire film in 1992 called Innocent Blood about a French vampire who uh, only kills people who deserves it. And she accidentally kills, um, a mob, the head of a mob family and doesn't get to like blow his head off. Cause she like drinks from them and then blows their head off with a shotgun. Hmm. And she gets interrupted and it's Robert Loja and Robert Loja starts making a crime family of vampires. Oh, good. And she ends up with Anthony LaPaglia to like take them down. And it's not a good movie by any means, but there's two things that I think are interesting, which is that they, um, created this process, and, uh, Anne Pallad plays the vampire. Where they, they made her wear these full eye contacts that, um, were triple layers and the middle layer was sprayed with, um, Scotch Bright. Hmm. Um, so when the lights hit their eyes and you could put any light towards it, it turned the, it made the eyes glow completely. And it's actually a neat effect because it almost looks like a post-production effect when you see it in the movie. Um, the other thing that I just think is really funny is he, um, uh, when it was released in France, because they didn't think anybody would see it, um, they released it as a French vampire in New York because he had directed an American werewolf in, in London. Of course. So and, part of the family. <laughs> and he got so angry. And I'll be honest, Sean Landis is a fucking murderer, so I don't care. So if you make him yeah, if you make him angry or not, I think it's hilarious. Before we move into our fast forward, I guess we should do our mixed reviews. Review. Right. Um, my five-star review was 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula. And my five-star review, as well as Bram Stoker's Dracula, because I just want you all to see it, is 2014's What We Do in the Shadows. My one-star review was 1979's Love at First Bite. (laughs) And my one-star review was 2003's Underworld, but mostly all the Underworld films. All of Underworld. Um, I forgot to mention, do you love that thing where in all the vampire movies where, like, one vampire, they're like, Drink my blood. And then the vampire starts drinking it, or, like, the person who's going to turn. And then, uh, uh, like, always, okay, enough. (laughs) Too much. Literally every single time. Everyone is a greedy little piggy. I know. A greedy little vampire piggies who just keep on sucking. Just suck and suck it. And it's like, okay, I'm done. Like, But it's, like, uh, it's so funny because they're always, like, muhaha, yes, yes, drink. And they're like, okay, enough. Yeah. Stop. (laughs) <laughs> en- enough! Yeah. Enough! I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll just tap you on the head when I'm done. Y- yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. Like, I know, because like every filmmaker's like, oh, you know what we're going to do? Like, it's like a turn the table situation. Like, at first they didn't want it, but then they do. Oh my God. So crazy. It's original. Uh. All right. So let's move into our fast forward. Where do you think, like, this genre is going? I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I feel like I've had this conversation before where I, I definitely feel vampires are cyclical in a way. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, like every five or so years they fall into fashion, they fall out of fashion. I think we're actually weirdly in a moment where they're not yeah. super popular at the moment. Vampires mostly are living on TV right now. Yeah. Um, we. Um ha- I mean, True Blood has been off the air for a couple of years. But they still live on in, like, on the CW with those, like, originals. I think shows. the originals, which is ending or just ended, but Vampire Diaries also ended. Yeah. But that's what, that's what I mean. It feels like we're sort of, I mean, there was an announced, uh, reboot of right. the Vampire Slayer. There was um, also, um, part of this new, I don't know if Universal's new monsters, things is happening or not anymore. Right. Um, it sounds like it's not. Probably not. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Tom Cruise. Um, in <laughs> an ironic twist. Um, But that that, that might have been an avenue that maybe vampires could come back. But it does feel like... I mean, the most famous vampire on big screens right now is literally the Hotel Transylvania vampire. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think that's the one that's making all the money. I've never seen any of the Hotel Transylvania films, but Adam Sandler's CG character that is essentially just the bringing it back to the Bela Lugosi Dracula is... It seems to be the one that's making money at the moment because, yeah, there really is no big franchise at the moment. There, there really isn't a, a focused TV show solely about vampires. I think that kind of it went, the, the genre went through this, like, um, a flooding of the market. Yeah. There was a lot of, like, Van Helsing, the movie, Dracula Untold, Dracula right. Reborn. Like, there's a lot of, like, kind of the same kind of thing where it's a straight, hot dude, um, and it's, like, kind of, olden times and like going to like the core, the myth, the mystery stripping away a lot of like the, like, like that we loved about, uh, Ram Stoker's version where it's like lush. These were more like kind of, uh, I don't want to say carnal, but just like, uh, what's that word where it's just like old and like, there's lots of like gray and rocks and just like kind of, you know, gritty reboot shit. Um, and it's not original and it's not fresh. Um, and so I think, you know i think one of the re- big reasons why people loved true blood was because it took that put it in a new setting right um i mean it was modern it was sexy um but it was not your typical like oh we have to tell like he was a real guy once and right. like isn't it so crazy like vladimir like all that shit like i uh, i do wonder if we're ever going to get cuz like i mentioned they they tried a little bit with um uh Guillermo del Toro's The Strain which I yeah. thought was a, not a very good TV show in all honesty but I watched the entire thing. Um the uh Tristan. Yeah, exactly. And uh like I wonder if we're ever going to move towards that like really monstery vampire if we've sort of moved away from the romantic mm. um element of it because of that same saturation because I do think you also besides getting the whole Dracula thing you do, you know, as you mentioned, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had like she was constantly falling in love with vampires. You got uh the Twilight series, vampire diaries, yeah. um, and even True True Blood. And I didn't bring this up before and I should have mentioned it. One of one of my favorite like weird vampire movies uh was this uh Serbian, it was the very first Serbian horror movie. Uh it's called Lep Teresa. And which is their version of vampires and their version of vampires are like beautiful women, but they have hairy hands and they're like really, and like that sort of, it's that element of like that sp- spooky outsiderness that I'm wondering if, if that's going to be where we come back in with you know, if we get somebody that can really sort of redefine it yeah. for the generation. Because I think that's what needs to happen. Because even when we talked in our Rewind, it was sort of talking about the ways that people redefined it or added to it. Because you had, like, you know, the moderately sexy and the very sexy and the... So I'm I'm just curious like, what will be the next sort of, like, right. real reinvention of that? Well, because I feel like the, the TV vampires, especially, like, the teen versions... I yeah. Mean, Vampire Academy is also including this because Vampire Academy was a book series, right? Yeah. Um, and that movie that killed that franchise. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Straight dead on arrival. Um, it, they're all kind of neutered in a way Yeah. where it's, you know, palatable, acceptable. Like you're not going to get like the flesh eating. It's more about the mystery and like the unknown and like, um, life is hard as a teenager right. and you feel like, and so that outcastiness feel like that te- all teenagers feel, mm-hmm. it was easy to connect you to that. And so, for the big stream version, you know, that doesn't necessarily work, maybe. And, uh, I, and I think, um, we didn't mention, um, Only Lovers Left Alive. I didn't watch it. Oh, I love Only Lovers Left Alive too. And that's a, and that's one of the problems of doing such a massive, like, yeah, yeah we won't get to everything, but, but I mean, that is also, um, even talking about what we do in the shadows, these are all like very specific and different takes on yeah. the genre that is not, rehashing the Dracula story and is not, um, you know, a, a, a quote, classic tale because certainly, especially in today's day and age, you can't just show like a punk goth kid. Right. And like rock and roll music and be like, that's a vampire. Like no one's going to like buy or care. Right. That's not like edgy or outsidery. Um, and so it has to be more internal. Um, and so I'm interested to see if anyone could, like you said, reinvent and bring it to a new place or, I think it's really fun and cute that like Dracula and vampires similar to the mummy and witches, um, are just so singular and easy to, um, they have very easy like signatures. And so something like Hotel Transylvania, it's an easy read and like kids can connect to that and they understand, oh, sometimes Dracula turns into a bat and that's a thing. Um, the fangs, you know, um, so I, I mean, it's interesting to see that that's where we are right now. Yeah, especially because there's like the hyper desexualized, the hyper like yeah. non horror. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's an interesting. And it's funny because because the TV landscape is also kind of like diminishing with vampires. I wonder if maybe now it's time for some more percolation for it to come back into the movie theaters. And it's funny because horror is having a moment. Yeah. Right. So it it should not be long for um, a big mainstream movie because these weird ones that we we're talking about um, were more independent movies, right? Yeah. Um, what We Do in the Shadows, Let Me In, um, Only Lovers Left to Live. Those were yeah. all like, none of those made like lots of money. Right. Not a lot of people saw any of those movies. Um, but they've maintained some sort of cult status. Yeah. Like the people that, that have seen them, the people that like them are very passionate about them. Yeah, for sure. Know? And I wonder if, I wonder if it's also a case of like, the, are there many like filmmakers like Francis Ford Coppola who have the money right. and like wherewithal to be like, this is what's happening. I don't care what you guys think because that movie took him forever to make. And like people were like saying that that's like a dream project. That's never going to get finished and he's insane. But I mean, because he is who he is, right. he was able to get it done. Um, I don't know if there are any filmmakers around today that have that kind of like power, right? Um, especially on a, franchise that has kind of like lost its like money-making abilities yeah because it's true so yeah i mean i guess the i guess the future's not like super bright like i guess i guess the the thing that you know the the vampire movie that's gonna come along that's that's really gonna restart the whole like vampire craze or anything it's gonna be a surprise i think yeah. that's really sort of and what's better you know than a surprise vampire a surprise vampire <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that that wraps up our Halloween episode. Spooky. Uh, but if you guys have any other vampire movies that you love that we may have left out or something that you didn't think we talked enough about, uh, feel free to contact us. There's several ways to find us online. You can find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're at Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can email us if you want to write us something a little bit longer at uh, reviewsmixed at gmail.com. And you can subscribe and listen to us on a host of different things. Oh yeah, we are on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher Radio, we're on Spotify, iHeartMedia... Google Play Music, you know, we are everywhere. Just like vampires. Yes. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Invite us into your ears. That a- sounded sexual. It's meant to. <laughs> uh, and we'll be back in two weeks with something a little less spooky. But maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it could very well be spooky. What if it was like, uh, who's a spooky like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spooky episode. <laughs> Alright, thanks guys. Bye. Bye-bye.